This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. Hey guys, I just want to say thanks for tuning in. If this is your first time listening to the show, my name is Justin Gilmet, aka Gilmy, and I do a show called Gilmy Talks where I talk to interesting people and have a fun time fun time doing it. Whether I'm doing interviews, solos, uh, quick little coffee talks, or whatever, I kind of feel like yeah, doing that's what I do with this show. If I find something interesting, I think you guys will find it interesting too. And I just love talking to to interesting uh, people. Big thank you to Anime North for having us on our very first panel. It was interesting. It was an interesting experience. My I brought my boys to the convention. They had a blast. And I found a G1 fully complete Optimus Prime for 80 bucks and I love that um, so I just want to say a couple things here go check out Ghost Jewels use the promo code GOMI for 30% off if you want any GOMI Talks merch go to my launch card store or message, message Clay Studio Productions and we will get something done up for you immediately and I just want to say thank you to everyone who came out to the panel thank you to everyone for helping out with it I got more thank yous on the back half don't don't worry about that guys and it was amazing absolutely amazing and I'm so happy it went went as well as it did and they liked this it was pretty cool alright guys so I will talk to you on the back half, we'll enjoy enjoy the show. Because all right, introductions. Myself, I am Justin Gilmet. Um, I do a podcast called Gilmy Talks, and I am also known as the Podfather of the OIW Podcast Network. dot com. Um, yeah, and this would be Curtis. He's supposed to be leading this. So. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm Curtis. Uh, you all probably know me as Ontario Gumby around here or Buzz Buttons. Um, I do a podcast called Where Is My Mind, where I interview wrestlers and athletes, and uh, yeah, that's, that, that's essentially me. Hey, what's going on guys? I'm Jesse Amato. I've been an independent wrestler for how long now, Justin? Like 20, I met you in 2013, 2012, when you were doing the... Yeah, uh, math. So, about <laughs> 10 years, is, probably like probably 10, 12 years, somewhere in yeah. there. Um, I've actually wrestled at Anime North a couple times. It's one of my favorite bookings, and honestly, I'm not like a huge anime fan, but there's just something about this community that, like, it's pretty cool, man. Like, I love that you guys all band together, and thank you all for coming out, so. Yeah. And I I just want to say thank you, Jesse, for for coming out and joining us. No worries, man. Okay, so. You forgot, uh, Brian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brian, also known as uh, Kirsten Creations. I uh, am Gilmy's uh, public relations. Beautiful. All right. So, you're here. So, you're here about the history of Japanese wrestling. So, um, we're actually going to uh, kick it off with Antonio Anoki. And because he is the and of he course, is the, the first one. Oh, of course. <laughs> okay. We apparently <laughs> had slides, and then the screen just locked on us. <laughs> yep. So, Antonio Anoki. Password. Try that. Password. That's pretty cool. I'm gonna laugh. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> not that lucky. I'm not that lucky. <laughs> um, Antonio Anoki was the first. Japanese wrestler that really made a splash on the world scene and it was because he had the first first legit MMA fight against Muhammad Ali and people have been watching this fight for years and it's 
in my opinion, it's not a great fight, but it is the first MMA fight where two different styles clashed. It was a boxer versus a uh, a wrestler. Yeah, and I think he did one of the smartest things he could possibly do, ride on his back and just tried to uh, kick him. Where Ali is just kind of standing with his gloves going, what do I do here? And that was really, really cool. Um, another one who actually made it to the world stage was Giant Baba when he created All Star All Star Wrestling at around the same around the same time as New Japan started started up. So there was always a conflict between those two guys. Like All Star would bring in Andre the Giant in the seventies, where Anoki would bring in the NWA guys, and just huge conflict. And eventually, All Star just kind of went down and New Japan took over and is one of the top three promotions in the world right here now, I would I, I would say. Definitely on the global scale anyway. Oh yeah. yeah definitely. I mean, Anoki was a genius and he still is a genius and that match alone that he had with Muhammad Ali, like it was one of those things where it's that age old question of who would win and at that time, Mixed Martial Arts wasn't really a thing. You didn't even see like, say, I don't know, Jeet Kwon Do versus karate, like that wasn't even a thought then. So the idea of having a professional wrestler versus a boxer was just so new and fresh. I mean, today you think about something like that, it's kind of like, oh yeah, whatever, it happens all the time, you watch UFC or whatever, but to be that cutting edge really helps to solidify Jap uh, Japanese wrestling in a sense of being more so as a sport other than entertainment, and that's a big difference between the two. Yeah. That's why I contribute. Oh yeah, and this is why, 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 why I brought you. Some of the, when I say New Japan Pro Wrestling, yes. What are some of the champions that you guys think of? Shoot, yeah, just yell. Oh. Yep. Yeah, he he was the guy who led New Japan through the lean years, brought it back to what it is today. And we just saw Tanahashi versus John Moxley, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? An absolute dream match for any wrestling fan. I have been a Moxley fan for years. I am a, I'm a fan of all wrestling, whether it's Jesse's favorite uh, style, deathmatch, or comedy, or hardcore, strong style. Don't know if I said that, but. <laughs> I pretty much love all wrestling in everything it does. And like, here are some of the champs. Kazu, I will mess up this guy's name and just call him Okada. Um, <laughs> uh, Brock Lesnar. Vader is a four time New Japan champion. Vader was huge. Yeah, yeah Vader was very huge. Him and Stan Hansen, like, I don't know how versed are you guys in Japanese wrestling? Not very. Nope. It's okay. All right, picture two, like, almost 400-pound dudes hitting each other in the head so hard that one of their eyeballs pops off. Yeah, and it just pops it back into the match. Oh, I didn't know that was against Stan Hansen. I knew that happened to him, but yep. it, I yeah. didn't know he was facing. Yeah, yeah. Hansen. Because uh, what people don't know, Stan, Stan Hansen could barely see. He was legally blind. So when he was throwing <laughs> those lariats at people, he was seriously... Try, this is the Japanese style. They go out Here, there. I'm legally blind almost too. It's just like. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I almost jumped out of my chair. I know what he's done. Um, <laughs> but, like, the strong style of Japan is it is taken very seriously. Nobody over there thinks it's fake, it's a legitimate sport. And,. Over here, people use use that word, which I really dislike, but I say it's predetermined, it's art, it's theater, it's a stunt show. To me, that's what professional wrestling is, and it tells a fantastic story, and I've been a fan of it since the the Hulk the Hulkamania days, way back way back when. That's when I first first started. And even but, still, if we circle back to it, yeah, and we talk about the Hulkamania days, like everyone always like. Everybody in this room probably knows Hulk Hogan, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys are you guys aware that people typically say that Hulk Hogan's pretty shitty at wrestling? Yeah. His matches with Anoki are unreal good. 
Yeah, it's a whole different yeah. ball game. Like honestly, if you haven't done it, YouTube Hulk Hogan versus Antonio Inoki, you'll be blown away at the work rate that Hogan can actually go at. And that's because of how much it stepped up in Japan. Because it's seen as a sport. Even Hulk Hogan, the American hero and ultimate lady guy, has to step he up. He stepped up and actually looked like a completely different animal. So anyway, yeah. no, continue. Sorry, no, no. I want you to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> I I read no notes, so like this is all winging it. I apologize in advance. He he got stuck in traffic, guys. He showed up five minutes before the panel. Yeah, legitimately. Yeah. So some some of the other notable champs with Okada, Tanahashi, Ricky Ricky Chosen Chosen Choju, Ricky Ricky Choju, one of my favorite guys. Like the great Muda. Who's still wrestling? Oh at, my God, he's amazing. And he is one of the best wrestlers on, like over here, in North America. Wrestlers kind of taper out at what, thirty-five, forty? Yeah. And Relatively. Yeah. Uh, there's and there's guys in Japan who are still going in their sixties. Yeah. Like. And at a high level. Yeah, it's not like uh, they're just phoning it in. Like Minoru Suzuki, and he, I know he's he's in his fifties, and he's. One he's of still, the top draws right now. You know, he's a legitimate badass too. Like he's just one of those guys. Like a lot of these guys, even like kind of pulling the curtain back a little bit. Like as a performer, being in a room with some of them, like I'm terrified. <laughs> now, I'm a guy that like I wrestled in barbed wire and broken glass, and I'm terrified what these guys would do to me. Because I'm just like, man, like this is in their blood that much. It has that much respect, and like. You just don't want to slip up around them. And you know why? There's nothing against them. It's awesome. Um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's it, it, it's a whole different ball game over there in comparison oh, yeah. to us over here. And like, it's like you said, really, uh, a lot of people type are up around like 35, 41. Um, unless you're like staying and you're fucking insane. <laughs> um, yeah, jumping off a building. Let's go off a balcony. Let's week. just go off a balcony yeah. every week. I'm 65 years old. Watch this watch. Yeah. They're already out of the bad influence on it. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, like, that's very, like, few and in between around here. But, like, over there, it's, like, that, it's, it's not only really respected, um, it's, it's really commonplace over there, like 62. How old was How old was Liger when he did his retirement? Oh my God! Years ago? I know Liger was in he's his. In, he's in his fifties. Yeah. yeah, he was in his late fifties when he had his his last match. I think he was fifty-seven. 50, yeah, I, I want to put it in that ballpark too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he was fifty-seven, fifty-eight years old. Like his last couple of years, they were hiding him pretty well, mind yeah. you. Like. Full disclosure, like he's in a lot of multi-mans where he didn't have to carry the full brunt of the workload because it means doing what he's done, like revolutionizing the whole idea of the cruiserweight like heavyweight style where you're constantly flying off the top ropes, diving to the floor, like it takes a toll on your body. Like I don't do that, my body hurts. Just thinking about it. Um, I think the only time you ever saw him do singles matches for the last couple of years in his career was with like indie scene. America side, like yeah. that was it, and there were small shows. Last um, one I remember was honestly for NXT. Yeah, no, yeah. actually for real. That, that, that was that NXT takeover Brooklyn. <clears throat> yeah, and people don't understand that Liger, uh, Juicin Thunder Thunder Liger, was in on the first WCW Nitro ever. Like that's how long this guy's been act actively wrestling, and he was wrestling before that in Japan, becoming the one of the top in the world. And if he was, I'd say... Based off an anime character, just saying cheap pop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tiger Mask. And then there's been other some other notable champs like Kurt Angle, AJ Styles, Kenny, Kenny Omega, like Shinsuke Nakamura, Naito. Like, all these guys can definitely carry... A promotion by themselves, but they're all in New Japan wrestling. And, and even that split of champions, like it's, it's kind of goes to show you the world respect. Because you would think, like you look, think about like American wrestling. Think of all the U.S. champs. And you look at in Japan, and you see like this huge melting pot. It's almost like very equal of where they're coming from parts of the world because it, they're really looking to put that belt on the best in the world at that time. Doesn't matter where you're from or who you're from. No discrimination, nothing. 
And that's what makes, honestly, pure rescue and Japanese wrestling a beautiful sport. Not only that, you have some people like Omega who went there who were like completely uh, just lost in the shuffle and then they get one simple switch into their character and it literally takes off their entire career. Now he's just one of the biggest people to talk about and literally in like 2011, 2014 time, it was not the case like that oh, at yeah. all. It was, it was only until he literally got the G1 uh, that people were taking him seriously. And then Bullet Club happened and just yep. everything's wild from there. So it's like, um, Japan I feel is like great for not only just building stars, but reinvigorating some of them. Yeah, so. even um, like you wouldn't think a little Irish guy would lead the number one faction in the entire world. And when Finn, Finn Balor or Prince David, there we go. Thank <laughs> you. Was the number one guy in New in New New Japan? I am pretty sure he's never actually won a title. Yeah, but no, he he was um, he was he was kind of like a mid Carter just in yeah. the in, in the UK scene, like a lot of ICW and just uh, like just not really being used properly. But then, yeah, like I said, you said he literally goes over to Japan and. He creates one of the biggest factions, oh, yeah. uh, which we can, that's probably a good way to segue into that, which, uh, yeah, he, he's one of the original creators of Bullet Club, and Bullet Club now, today, is one of the biggest factions in the world, so. Yeah. You see Bullet Club merchandise everywhere, like. On Air Curtis? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I've gone, like, what's that store in the mall? Hot uh, Topic. Hot Topic. Hot Topic. All the time. Stuff. And that's actually kind of new. You haven't really seen a lot of like that Japanese pro wrestling culture cross the pond, so to speak, until Bullet Club. Like, yeah. there's always been kind of like a known for it, a bit of a respect for it, but it was kind of very niche. And then Bullet Club was the first Japanese wrestling contribution to like a global pop culture. Well, it's because it's because you had like people like the Young Bucks that really actually like thought about business first, and they're like, okay, how do we expand this out? out of Japan into stores like they were the ones that really kicked that hot topic feel off and then it just it spiraled from there so it's like yeah no Bullet Club is just like huge they were very big innovators uh, for not just Japan but for the entire industry and just literally getting um, people more eyes on New Japan like there's a lot of eyes on New Japan but definitely what they did for not only Bullet Club but New Japan they they they, they really made them really popular over here. And it's like Jesse says, you can't go anywhere without uh, without running into Bullet Club merch or someone too sweet in you or just, it's, yeah. it's, it's insane. And, there's, and the, that's also the big thing about Japanese wrestling. Every single person is in a faction of some kind. Like you're either in Suzuki Goon or you're a member of Bullet Club or the Lots new one, United U United Empire or Naito's, which I will mess up the name. Yeah. In does does anyone know how to properly properly say Naito's faction in core? Yeah, that. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. See, that's why I couldn't get it out. <laughs> that's all I heard. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the reason for the factions in Japanese wrestling—they're very big in—they're very big into tag team, six man, eight man. If you're working a Japan, if you ha are on tour with a Japanese Japanese wrestling company. The thing is, it's going to be working every single night, whether it's a tag team, a six man, one on one. You're gonna be having a match. There's no sitting in the back for catering at as a Japanese. Tag, tag matches yeah. are, are the singles matches of Japan. Yep. Like literally oh, yeah. for how many one on ones we get over here, over there it's just as many for tag teams. So now the very big Mexican influence on Yes. Oh, yeah, which is a very tight correlation between Mexico and the Lucha Libre and Japanese and Pure Lesu. So. Oh yeah, and because the luchadors are fantastic. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I mean, in Japan, the whole super, uh, what is it? Uh, super heavyweight, sorry. Yep. Super juniors. Um, they innovated that style and brought it to the forefront with guys like Muda and Jushin Thunder Liger coming over, coming over to America and doing all that. Um, it spawned the whole yeah, I guess like 
indie revolution today happened in Japan in like 1989, there's so many tag teams that have come out of Japan that are now big over here, and it's because of what they did over there, and literally uh, transcending tag team wrestling. And it's like, I feel like Japan was, over the last few years, has been that big resurgence for uh, the Western audience as far as uh, tag matches go, because now we just get killer tag matches, like, almost on a weekly basis now, and yeah. that, even, even when I was a kid, like, that was something I never would have even imagined, like. like <laughs> right now, how how many title belts does FTR have? Oh my god, um, so. Three, four, oh, three. Yeah, they, they, they have three, they have yep. three, so they have the, um, they have the AAA tag, they yep. have the New Japans, and they have, they have ROHs, so. It, I wouldn't be surprised within the next couple months if they go over to uh, go go over to NWA and take their titles as well. Yeah. Um, I feel like they're just going to Ultimo Dragon with them and just literally get every <laughs> single tag belt on top of FTR. Yeah. It's up to actually AEW belts, but in fact, they've been the number one contender for like three months now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why the. Sign the contract, they give you the strap. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> it just, uh, F, in my opinion, FDR is probably the best tag team on the planet right now. They are. They are yeah. They are amazing. And I think it was a very good decision uh, to put the belts on them, which that can make a segue into Forbidden Door, which yep. that talks us now about modern day uh, Japanese wrestling and how now it's completely uh taking over the american scene and oh, yeah. uh, and forbidden door was probably one of the funnest uh pay-per-views i have watched in years um honestly one of the best like collaborative uh like new japan western shows i've ever seen just because just everything was just books and it was properly. dream match after dream match after, after dream, dream match, match. and, and deliver. yeah yeah, and not only did they give you dream match after dream match, they delivered, like Jesse said. So it's like, uh, you couldn't have asked for a better pay-per-view. Like, if any of you haven't seen AEW Forbidden Door, I know not everyone is an AEW fan. Um, do yourself a favor and actually, like, when you go home, watch that. Because the... the now that, I won't tell on you. That, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that, that show is revolutionary not only for new japan but for western and like it really shook things up here and showed uh, how to do dream matches so um, yeah like i'll just bring up the one match will osprey versus orange cassidy oh i thought God. personally guys i thought that match would be the bathroom break match of the entire card same yeah it and surprised me. i was happy it was one of the matches of the night it was probably the best match on that card and I didn't think that their two styles would match in any way shape or form because if you guys don't know Orange Orange Cassidy is a guy basically wrestles like this yeah. <laughs> which he's and nuts he's insane he he just wrestles with his hands in his pockets doing hurricane ranas and just flying through through the air and then best finishing move of all that is in wrestling right now he has the orange punch he just he just whack backs up punches the guy and the match is done yeah only takes the hand out of the pocket yeah but to bring that full circle like why that was surprising and it really shouldn't have been surprising in a sense why it was with match of the night um that's all about japanese wrestling and how it's really kind of stand, come from from birth. Like I would definitely pinpoint that Inoki versus Ali was like the genesis of Japanese pro wrestling as it comes to be. Yeah. And like you have such a counter style and you have like what's gonna happen. It makes you it makes the audience, whether they want to or not, suspend their disbelief to see how this goes. And that's where the magic of it happened. 
the the one match that actually surprised me at Forbidden Door was uh, Lance Archer's match. Oh yeah. I didn't think that match was actually going to be as good as it was, and mm -hmm. it was a pre-show match. And usually I don't watch the pre-shows for um, pay-per-views. Like I'll miss sometimes I'll miss like a good match and I'll go back to it. Uh, but I don't really check out the pre-shows. But uh, for Forbidden Door, I actually sat through the entire pre-show and I enjoyed every single match in it. So. Um, for me, Lance Archer was actually the surprise for Bruno yeah. Indoor. I thought he did really well against Nick. Because so, um, you don't really think a six foot eight tall guy with a, his quote unquote her, haircut, the, the murder hawk, that's basically <laughs> one, one entire red braid down I to about here. I don't think of Looney Tunes every time, unfortunately. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, but Forbidden Door was, I think Japanese wrestling is coming to North America. The actual style is going to take over more. And yeah, it already has. Like arguably, it already has. WWE's been notorious for hating tag team wrestling, and their tag team wrestling is on point right now. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of that is that Japanese influence. I mean, it's no oh, secret yeah. that they brought over a lot of guys that have had success in Japan. And they kind of kickstarted that. And they almost taught the WWE and how to build proper tag teams now. Yeah. I'm sure those guys have moved on. They left, like, whatever, just stupid because they couldn't take it because they know what it's supposed to be like if they've been there and they lived it. Um, but we're seeing that now in these next coming up and coming teams and these factions. Like, it, it's very Japanese influenced and it's everywhere. Like, you can point your fingers on any point of pro wrestling, like from Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns to. What they're doing with like the lighter guys to their tag team division exploding to AEW just throwing it in your face forbidden door New Japan they're here um, yeah, it's they, just everywhere and honestly like it is probably the new foundation of pro wrestling is now that Japanese base and it's and it's funny because like years ago there was a whole bunch of people that were questioning whether that was going to happen when uh, Nakamura and AJ Styles left for WWE. Um, that was a real blow to New Japan, and there was a lot of people that were worried that New Japan wasn't going to be able to recover from that. Yeah. And they literally recovered within months, not even. Um, oh, yeah. So, like, because they just basically put the put the rock into Omega at that point. Honestly, like, yep. they have that philosophy where, like, they don't care what you've done. They don't care what people say about you. If you're damn good at what you did and you didn't piss them off inside of their borders, they will take that chance and they will give you the shot and they will say, look, we only want the best. And that just stimulates giving the best. And that stimulates changing how things are done. And at the same time, a lot of people that might have been an asshole at some point in their lives that goes over there, they get a gut check and they learn some shit. You know what I mean? You see a lot of guys, they don't really go to Japan. They come out of Japan, they come back to America and they're just like complete dicks still. They're... They stepped it up, like not only on the professional but on the personal side too. Like, a respect is respect in Japan, and you have to have it. If you don't have it, you're not going to make it, no, no matter what you do. And that's a really cool part about that culture. Um, and it's good for half these guys that go over there with an ego and they get that check because, like, there's no question that yeah, you're good, but you need that governor and the Japanese style and that Japanese learning system and that learning tree and like having to go through like paying the dues that you don't have to do over here anymore. It, it, it changes people in such a good way. And I'm honestly, like, as a performer in this business, I'm happy and ecstatic that the lineage and the teachings from Japan is actually making it over and starting to matter to a lot of the guys coming up. It's, you're starting to see in, like, a lot of the new teachers in the schools are instilling those values into the next up-and-coming group of talent. Um, so, like, as much as it's changed now, I'm excited to see how it's going to be in the next 5, 10, 15 years when you see those values really driven home a second time for these multiple generations now. Yeah, and it's, it's long overdue. Wrestling sucked for the longest time. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. Boring. It was high school. Yeah. It was high school drama in the back. It was high school drama being presented to you, which, I mean, it's okay in certain regards, but... If you can't get along backstage and you can't act like the adult that you are, how do you expect your product to be sustainable and good? Um, and that's what New Japan 
more specifically has really done is they've gone through the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, but they've always survived and they've always stayed on the world stage. Um, and that's a fact that often goes undiscussed, I think. Yeah. Um, they're very adaptable and they're very good at basically knowing where the industry is going to go five, ten years ahead of time, and that's what they've constantly been doing. Death matches, for example. Death yeah. matches. Death matches are huge over here, and you see everyone trying to someone's attempt to die over here. Yeah, someone's going to die eventually. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know who it's going to be. Maybe Sting, because he keeps doing things that uh, he shouldn't be doing at 65 years old. I don't, know. I don't see Sting any powerbomb on a board of knives. Yeah. Hey, just gonna gonna throw this to the to the to the floor. Have you ever had an actual question to ask a deathmatch wrestler, guys? Because he's sitting right there. Yeah, like Jesse right here. Yeah, he's having no He's been. He's been in King of the Death Deathmatch with IWS uh, YouTube video. Sorry? I did IWA. I, Death Proof. I, I, I IWA, Death Proof. He I has videos with like 2 million plus views on YouTube. Yeah, please. Uh, I just is pretty intense, but it all depends on how the wrestler is taking it, because I find in a lot of deathmatch wrestling today, it's become basically a glorified jackass contest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not the one that happened at WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> right? Not that one, but yeah, pretty much. Like, more like the WrestleMania if it had the Dudesons instead. Okay. Um, but me personally, I like to bring in a lot of psychology. I like to think about what we're doing and tell that story and bring a story aspect <laughs> to a death match to make it even more intense. So I think for some guys, it's just another day of being an idiot. So it's not really that much more intense. And they probably find a more intense time working a guy that has a really big work rate. You know what I mean? And be like, oh my God, like I'm just known for getting punched in the head and jumping a barbed wire. But there's also a handful of deathmatch guys that could actually go. And those are the ones that would probably tell you that the deathmatch would be even more intense because they're trying to bring that element out. And when you're bringing that element out surrounded in barbed wire and sharp shit, um, it's just gonna make that, have that intensity even more. Like I just did a no rope barbed wire deathmatch. We did like a whole bill for three, so three shows going into it. Um, and that was kind of the end result of that, of being more story driven, is like you had the intensity, you felt, you felt the buzz, the proverbial electricity, yeah. it worked, and it's because of the barbed wire, not so much the story. But the story, without the story, the barbed wire would have just been like, okay, cool, these guys are idiots, let's have a drink and watch you morons. But no, they're captivated, and that's kind of the difference. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. You over there. I do have one out of. Everything that you might have done, is there any like bump or weapon shot that you take that you're like, oh, I never want to do that again? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> can I answer this one? Sure. Brainbuster. Brainbuster. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me set the tone here for you. I was yep. on about 25 foot balcony with a soda. Again, I wasn't joking when I don't have a basketball, I can't see where shit. Um, we set up a table ahead of time. I knew like I was gonna go over the balcony through the table. The problem is, is while he's standing up here waiting for me to charge at him, he's gonna like throw me over. I fucking forget what side the table's on. Oh, oh no. it's on the left or the right. <laughs> Number one. Oh, no. mm -hmm. I guess right. Don't worry. It was cool. Oh, and that, but this comes into like the worst thing that I did. I hit the table, whatever. Go through, ask for a school, no problem. Sell it. Holy shit. Holy shit. Um, then he comes down because now there's this big break. He's gonna come down after like two minutes and pin me, and I don't just go. Eh. I look like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I got him kicked out. Like kicked out. Then he's gonna do the brainbuster. Stupid me didn't even process that he's doing the brainbuster on the concrete floor. So my tire is spinning. And then he's like, kick out. I'm like what? <laughs> kick out again. I'm doing it again. Like no. <laughs> <laughs> It gets worse. <laughs> the match ended there, but this was two shows that day. This was the afternoon show. We're doing a rematch that night. We're doing the Taipei death match where we have our hands taped up. And we dip them in glue and stick them in broken beer bottles and we have a fight. <laughs> so there, I, like, I was wrecked. My back was done. 
But because of that match, I regret nothing. It kind of put me on the map and got me outside of Canada into the States. I got to do the King of the Death match. I got to travel around. I got to go to Mexico. I got to go across Canada and just doing what I love. And you know what? It's the greatest fucking decision of my life. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, does that answer your question? Oh, yeah, that's good. I do have another one if you're willing to answer. Yeah, go ahead. Look. From doing stuff like that, have you ever watched somebody else, whether it be in any other promotion or live, that you watch them like, okay, that. That was stupid. Like, you just watched him do a bump. Like, did you have to do it like that, though? That was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically, anytime I. There's a Facebook group, um, Murder, Death, Kill Club, that should be your first clip. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Watching half of the bumps, like, my, my favorite one that happened recently, so I have this thing. You go, you nice. go. Um, my favorite thing recently was uh, I was watching some indie show, and then uh, it blew my mind. Like I just said, the tone for this. Like I wish I was a fly in the wall to watch him plan this spot. <laughs> but he goes, "I want you to light my crotch on fire, and then hit me with a weed whacker." <laughs> which, like, cool, whatever. However, none of these idiots that had the forethought to be like, "Need water." <laughs> so he's on fire, like, ah, I'm on fire, gets hit with a weed whacker, and then there's like, shit, I'm actually on fire. <laughs> what does he do? He runs through the crowd, like this. <laughs> now imagine my pants were on fire, I'm just running through here looking for water. Blows my mind. Like, like, I just wanted to be there and be like, wait a minute. Is nobody, nobody's thinking, like, who's letting you do this? There's people around listening to this conversation going, like, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> anyway, yeah. that's definitely the most recent one that I could think of. Anything with their power bomb each other on scissors and knives and stuff, like, what are you doing? You don't need to do that. Um, at some point, like I said, it's becoming like a glorified jackass competition. Someone's going to actually die in them, what? Everything you just built was for nothing because somebody's an idiot and nobody's paying attention. Um, so like, there's definitely like the two sides of the coin. I love deathmatch wrestling, but there's got to be something. There's got to be some sort of balance in there. Like, where's too far? And does somebody have to die before we find it? Like, we got brains. Let's use some people. Anyway. Yeah. What's your take on uh, ECW when Paul Heyman was running it before WWE? ECW is a game changer. Paul Heyman is probably the greatest lineup pro wrestling has ever known. Um, a lot of what they did in the 90s and the extreme and everything else was on point and where it needed to be. Um, and the thing that they were doing then was perfect. I mean, you could put that kind of stuff on television. Yeah, you guys stuff on the wrist or whatever. But like, it was fine in a sense. And like that was the perfect line, and this is kind of where like today it's kind of gone way too far. Because then all of a sudden you have ECW goes away, and it wasn't because the product was shit, it's because they were shit at business. You know what I mean? Um, Paul E was able to make something out of nothing. These are a bunch of guys that look like me, and they're like on the global stage, and people are buying into them. They, I mean, after they folded, they all got jobs, and most of them did, the ones that had teeth. Um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> but if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a lot of today. And I mean, we could even circle it back and say that a lot of it has also changed. The, basically, Paul Heyman set the tone for the adoption of the foreign styles in America, which, as we all know, America is very much USA first. And that was a big thing, a big turning point. And that's where, like, Pro wrestling almost brings culture to the United States and to North America, which is a very rare thing to be able to do. At least do it in a proper way that's not like super Americanized and watered down. I mean, it is a little bit. That's just how it works. Broken telephone at that point. But if it wasn't for Paul bringing in those Japanese talent, bringing in those Mexican talent, and then having this whole sideshow circus of hardcore with the bar bar and the tables and like anything goes in this wild atmosphere. The whole idea of anything happened in pro wrestling, if that didn't happen, it would have died. You know what I mean? Um, and Paul was very good at finding that balance and putting on a perfect show. Like 
one of the most strangest things even today you don't see very much. The world title match being somewhere in the middle. You know what I mean? Little things like that, that if you try to do that today, you'll get so much heat. It's like, you can't do that. It lessens it. Paul does it, it's no problem. Because you know what? He was that smart, it made sense. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. This is Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a big controversy when I think a couple of AEW female wrestlers did the, like the hardcore death match with the cuts and bleeding and everything. And it was a big controversy that women shouldn't do this, women shouldn't do that. What's your opinion on Women should do whatever they want. Oh, yeah. I have. I'm just going to step in. I have seen Jesse wrestle intergender matches, and one of the girls I know hits harder than most guys that he's been in the ring with. So. I've also done a hardcore match with my ex fiance at the time. <laughs> Till death match do us part. <laughs> you said someone's bound to die. I think that always happens. Uh, yeah, me. <laughs> you know, I, I had to give her DET through a picture and tell her how much I hated it. Then she picked up a plunger and she actually clocked me in the head with it. <laughs> <laughs> this was actually, we're wrestling for insane clown posse at the time. Yep. <laughs> Makes so sense. this is also like 2 in the morning. And you can only imagine what it's like the gathering of the juggalos. <laughs> Anyways, funny story about that though. I might cross a little bit of a line, but that was like I adopted the Crepper cross base as my finisher. But for whatever reason, this is ICP. There's some dude in the front row, man. Nothing with these standings of Chris Benoit. Come on, I got it. I'm twisted, I have to do it. I put her in a Crepper cross base. <laughs> The entire place erupts, starts chanting just on Nancy. That's what I said. That's what I said. And here's the even crazier part. This fucking video gets 50 million fucking views. Yep. <laughs> Suddenly I'm booked everywhere for this crazy shit. <laughs> yep. But, uh... <laughs> oh. If you want to talk about a regret, there was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I... It had nothing to do with the barbed wire. It had everything to do with the fact that some guy convinced me because I seen a picture of somebody. Yeah. I have no excuses. Anybody else? Big that. I wanted to ask with... Um, so, like, we see thumbtacks a lot, like, everywhere now. And I just kind of wanted to ask, like, how bad thumbtacks are, like, compared to... Because, like, we see them everywhere all the time. And it almost like lessens it, but also like I'm not sure. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I'm 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 just going to pipe in and say pulling them out of your shoes after going to a deathmatch show for three days after is kind kind of a pain. Although I did get them out. Okay. Honestly, thumbtacks the first time is more of a shock. Kind of like. Jumping into a cold pool. Except this cold pool's gonna suck in about five seconds. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you're just like, ah, then they get like these little parts in here, and then you try to get them out. But like, look, I can't reach everywhere. <laughs> so then I'm gonna get slammed right away again and again and again. Um, but I will say, Legos hurt more. Oh, God. I, I do Legos for a PG show. This is the funny part. No, the Legos hurt more. <laughs> but yeah, I've done Legos, I've done dinky cars, I've done a whole bunch of dumb shit. Right. <laughs> oh, and if people want to see you wrestle, where, where can they actually see you in Etobicoke? In Etobicoke, yeah, right, that's here. Yeah. Um. A lot of what this company does is very much kind of like this, like very edgy, very, we don't give a fuck. <laughs> as best sense possible. <laughs> um, it, like, there's an understanding that wrestling is kind of goofy, it's kind of silly, and it's kind of what makes it fun. But then there's also these other aspects of the sporty aspects, where like shit that you can't fake. Um, and it's a huge amalgamation of all that, and it's kind of cool. Um, from what I've heard, there's a lot of things going up. It's going to be televised shortly. I can't really speak too much more on that. Um, but 
That said, we didn't be announced in a couple of days last I talked. The guys are running it anyways. Um, oh, and uh, Twitch. You can watch it on uh, Twitch, right? Yes. Yeah, the Twitch yeah. stream is definitely on the Twitch stream, New Frontier Pro, and then on YouTube as well. The first few shows are up there in their entirety, and you can see me being a moron. <laughs> um, actually, on Twitch, the last one is the Barbwire match I was talking about earlier in the main event of the this, this week on the Twitch, there'll actually be uh, a just a compilation of all the mat and all the matches between you and Tyler Hill. Oh, really? Yeah. So I didn't even learn something today. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, if you wanna if you wanna see the entire the, the entire feud uh, between uh, Jesse and Tyler, you can you Honestly, can do that on Twitch. Like, I don't like to big up my own shit. I like to say I'm um, I will. It's it was awesome. Yes. Come on now. This is probably my best work, and the cool thing is like I'll be fully honest with you guys. I walked away from wrestling about four years ago because I had a drug problem, and it's not because of the wrestling and the death match. It's a whole bunch of other things. The only time that I was actually sober was when I was doing the death match. Just to show you how loopy I am. Um, but I ended up coming back, um, an opportunity presented myself, and like I've been sober for like five years now. So. Oh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so this has kind of been my comeback story, and I mean, something kind of came up, and it's like, want to try to prove a line of it, let's tell a real story, you know, about why you left and somebody having legitimate heat, because I mean, like, I know show to show because I was too fucked up to show up. That's a true story. And the shitty part about it is I love this business so much that it kills me every single day. Um, but it just goes to show you, like, no matter how shitty it is, no matter how hopeless you feel, you gotta have that hope if you can't make it or hit another side. So, big secret is you just gotta want it, and that's if you want it, don't do it. Anyways. Yeah. Anybody else with a question? I just kind of sombered the room. <laughs> <laughs> Richard. Worst thing you've ever been hit with? Worst thing I've ever been hit with? Probably a bat with the plastic forks stuck out on them. <laughs> That's what I thought they would allow me to bat and just like snap. Well, no, these things went in and snapped. Ow! <laughs> oh, <laughs> Actually, no, I lied. It wasn't that. It was the one with the toothpicks. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I don't know. That one sucks. I didn't see it coming. I knew it was there by the time. They won't use that, probably. There's a lot of brain. No. No. That one blindsided me. Actually, I had the stupid stick on my back. Um, anyone else? Austin316. Um, recently there's been a lot of talk on Twitter about Chris Benoit. Okay. And then, obviously when Chris comes up, Kurt Angle comes up, or some of their matches with the that I've ever seen. Um, and there's been comments about Kurt Angle, like if he was in his prime today, that he wouldn't be able to hang. Like, how do you feel about that? Because I don't agree. So what was the last part of that? That he wouldn't be able to hang if he was currently. He's saying Kurt Angle wouldn't be able to hang with Chris Benoit. Like, hey, yeah, like, like anybody today. Uh, I don't believe that. Hey, Jesse. Could be probably 10 years from today, still be Paul's better than anybody. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, it's the mind. Some things you can't teach. And his work ethic and his propensity to be perfect. Um, one of the reasons why he's not going today is probably because he can't be turned out. You know what I mean? That's a big pill for a wrestler to swallow, especially when you're at that level. Like, you go from being the best, you, I can't ever possibly get there anymore. You, you break your neck and win a gold medal and then wrestle for like 15, 20 years. Yeah. Where it takes a toll on your body. If I broke my neck, my wife would be like, no, you're not leaving this house, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> that guy goes on to sign a million dollar contract and... And then literally has a legendary career afterwards. Yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> So yeah, whoever says that to me. Yeah. Essentially. I believe that would be Jordan Grace. Nope. Stated, <laughs> stated it. So yeah, she Call said Yep. You're the first. Why would yep. she even bring that up? That I, don't, I don't I don't know why why people do the do the do the things they do. I just talk talking talking about it. Alright, we have any more questions? Uh, yeah. uh, you on the left. Yeah, so 
you talked about before about how like with in Japan Japanese wrestling the respect and the professionalism that it has to do. What is one of the most unprofessional things you? Do you have a good one? <laughs> I I know stories you've been, you've been mentioned, but I don't know if you uh, you want to actually mention it here. Bring them up because I'm probably blanking on a couple. Make me laugh. Um, when when someone walked into a into a locker room and first thing he does is slap the promoter's ass. What? Oh. <laughs> good first thing. Oh yeah. It just uh, uh, that was uh, okay. Yeah. I shouldn't laugh at this shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, For the longest time, there used to be wrestling was a boys' club, so you get a lot of really dumb. For the longest time, the dumbest one that used to happen is they used to like to drop their pants behind like the music guy and tap him on the shoulder. But <laughs> that was probably up there. I've seen that like way too many times, and that guy's still worse than drives me nuts. I'm not gonna name names. I do have some limits. Um, that's definitely not something that I would condone. Um, when it comes to like unprofessional works in the ring itself, other than something outside of it, I would have to say, what happened in Mexico? Um, when they turned oh. into a shootout, I think it was a AAA or CML. Yeah. Oh, see, a sexy star versus somebody. Yeah. yeah oh, that was, a sexy star. Oh, yeah, that was probably yeah. one of the most unprofessional scenes I've seen. Yeah. When stuff like that happens, like I get it, you gotta put these things happening in the ring, but when it's unprovoked, that's when I have a problem. When you're trying to make sure that you're kind of being the guy that's on top, um, that would be definitely my number one. Uh, what Austin Aries did to. Uh, Johnny Mundo was oh, pretty, or, was oh, pretty yeah, bad too. So, I mean, yeah. like you don't, you don't take a finish and then literally take the piss out of it and just stand up, flip off the promoter, and then walk away. You That's, know, you, you mentioned that literally almost, almost exactly the same thing happened in WWE. Just yes, yeah, what happened with that? Do? She said that she told her that she loves her. She's full of shit. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> full of shit. <laughs> All right, we have time for maybe like one or two more questions here. So you over there. Star Wars. So um, the first ones I've seen, which one wins in ethics? And you gotta shake everybody's hand when you get to the door. Oh, oh. Easily anyway. Yeah. 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 And my trainer told me, oh, you gotta shake everyone's hand. And I looked at him like, oh, yeah. 
I like that makes sense. You introduce yourself and shake somebody's hand. I'm not like an idiot. <laughs> but no, like it's, it's a, a child's world sometimes. There's a lot of ego floating around. People think that I'm better than you, and then there's a competition because they want the better slots of the car, they want the bigger paychecks. That does happen. If you're in the data, you're probably making more money. Um, because that's the way it is. People are coming to see you in the main event, not coming to see Johnny Dunfuck and Smash You. Um, not so Johnny Dunfuck, it's really good anyway. And there's a process. Um, so yeah, like I agree with it a whole hundred percent. However, to kind of take a bailout on that, I agree with it if it's taught properly in the way that it should be and brought into the point of what I was saying. Like, this is the history and the reason why. This is kind of why we're doing it now. Check your ego at the door. You don't like the guy, shake his hand, shake his hand when you leave. Go back and not like him. But while you're here, nah. Be a professional. Be the professional professional. All right, we got time for one more question. So who wants one to more. take that one last question? Guy in the back of the tunnel. Um, what was the match, like death match, that sort of inspired you to want to do death matches? It would probably go back to Japan, okay. which is a nice yeah. place to leave it off of. It would probably be IWA Japan, seeing Foley and Funk when I was a kid doing the barbed wire. Absolutely. Um, that made me go, what is up with wrestling now? Like, at that time, I'm used to like the cartoon shit. And now I see like this glimpse of something crazy. Um, and then I got led into ECW. My grandfather was a tape trader back in the day. I don't know if you guys are versed in like, how we used to do things before YouTube and stuff. <coughs> Where like you'd basically be on like a fan list and then they'll dub your VHS tapes and everything else. And but like because of that, I got to see Japanese wrestling and I got to see Lucha Libre. I got to see ECW before ECW even had I watched the regional shows. So I got to see there's something else out there and then like anyway Japan came out. Um, because my grandfather like shoot fight. Um, basically UFC when like the rules are no eye gouging and like that was it. <laughs> um, so all that time and then everything else, um, I forget your question. That's what it is. <laughs> well, it was inspired you to start. Oh, right. So yeah, um, seeing that definitely inspired me. And then watching ECW and seeing that there's another way. I'm well aware I'm not six foot nine and 375 pounds. And I'll be honest with you, I like big gators way too much to be able to get that kind of body. Um, but Deathmatch kind of said, hey, you could do something else. There's a way to do it. Um, and at that time, like, okay, that's kind of cool. And I kind of followed it. And it wasn't until later on when, like, the indies were kind of changing, getting a little bit smaller. And then I needed something to stand out in, in Ontario and in Canada in general. Deathmatch isn't very big. There's not a lot of guys doing even basic hardcore. It was easy. I could stand out instantly. And if I did it in a way that I'm not like everybody else, where I'm just having the human jackass competition, I'm going out there telling a story, giving a damn every single step that I take, it should work. And you know what? I got to travel the world doing what I love. And sure, I didn't make a million dollars off it. Maybe it'll happen one day. I don't know. But you know what? I feel like a million dollars because I did what I loved. And I got to do something that most people never get to do in their lifetime. And that's doing what you said it would be when you were. And if you want to see more of what he, him doing what he loves, you can see him next weekend at uh, the Rock Pile, uh, fighting for the New Frontier Grand Championship. Sure, so, Sam. Uh, guys, thank you so much for coming out. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, boys. Please, check us out next weekend at uh, New Frontier, and also check out OIW Network at oiwpodcastnetwork.com. Uh, for Gilmy Talks, for myself, Where Is My Mind, for Curtis Daddy, and for Jesse Almano, thank you guys so much for coming out. Seriously, you all have been fantastic. Thank you.
Hey guys, I just want to say a couple things. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thank you to the Anime North for having us to record record this uh, panel and to just have have us there. As you heard heard in the show, it did go over very very well. I I really enjoyed doing it, and we would do be will be doing more of the this style stuff in the future. Um. Just want to say thank you very much to Curtis Rich and Brian Cannon for helping all the work on behind the scenes to get us there. And thank you very much to our guest speaker, Jesse the Bloodstained Hurricane, a model, because the panel absolutely loved him, as you could hear. And if you have any need for Gilmy Talks merch, go check out my launch cart store. Or get in contact with Clay Studio Productions. I can have something personally made for you. And go check out batsinthebelfryart.com for that personal gift. Go check out Doing Fine Kitchens if you are in London, Ontario. It's a fantastic place to eat. And if you you want to get some pretty cool cool jewelry. Go check out Ghost Jewels on Instagram or ghostjewels.com and use that promo code GILMI for 30% off. And I just want to say thank you very much, guys. Sorry about the late one this week. It's been it's been a week. So I will talk to you guys next time. Bye, guys. I mean, there you go. Oh, you know I edit all my shit. <sighs> yeah. Tom almost came. Might so. as well just put your good morning, good evening. Oh no, I'm <laughs> sure I'm 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 you gonna edit that in. No, I'm doing it right now. Oh. I'm oh, starting okay. off the uh, panel. Oh nice. Alright. Hey guys, some of you may know me as Justin Gilmet, aka host of Gilmy Talks, Podfather of the OIW Podcast Network. So for the people who actually know, I'm just gonna yeah. do this one time. Good morning, Hi. good evening, good night. How is everybody doing out of this we're yeah. Yep. We're good. Yeah. We're yep. all set up. We're good. Let everyone in. I'm gonna, I'll do it since I have the jacket on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's true. What? Kicked his ass. I know you did. Yeah. I swear. Um. So no. I really don't know. Well, I swear. PG 14. Yeah. I'll try not to, but like. Oh, it happens, it happens. Why does he have bags of stuff? Why do they have bags of stuff? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, they probably came from the I'm very good. This is, I'll be perfectly honest with you guys. This is my very first panel, and I am so excited. Um, excited, nervous, terrified, you know. Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm... Like what you know the comedy of Japanese wrestling well then, sir. Title belt. This is awesome. Can I ask everyone a huge favor? I just want to re 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 remember this.
Can I just get a big thumbs up because of what that guy said? <laughs> <laughs> Two seconds, the room is too big. <laughs> there we go, guys. Thank you so, so much. I am excited that more than my boys showed up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you thought there would be three people running a show. <laughs>